Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Hello and welcome to Book Cheat, the book club podcast where I've read the book so you don't have to. My name is Dave Warnicke and on each episode of this show we look at one of the classics. And joining me to look at such a classic from Two in the Think Tank and The Pop Test, it's Andy Matthews and Alistair tremblay Birchall. Hello, David. Hi, David Warnicke. How are you? Great, thanks. How are both of you? <laughs> you know what? I'm doing pretty good. I wasn't good until just before we started recording, Dave said out loud, books, let's do this. <laughs> and it, it kicked me into gear. Yeah, you ready now? <laughs> yeah. That's right. I was just feeling, you know, like the enthusiasm wasn't quite there in the room for any of us. But now, yeah. bang, I books, actually, let's do this. Before, before you said that, one of the ventricles of my heart wasn't even contracting. <laughs> yeah. And now it's all, it's all go. It's a buzz. I've had trouble reading books, and I reckon saying books, let's do this <laughs> right, like right before reading. I think would be a good thing. As you to... crack and you spine. Mm. <laughs> both, both he, types. B- b- when when Al reads a book, he he cracks the spine Bane style over his <laughs> knee. <laughs> well, yeah, go counter to the yeah. to the fold. Does mm. <laughs> show that book is boss? Yeah. Mm. Um, but as you mentioned, sorry, I'm going to do this thing you were saying we should mention at the beginning, but uh, that we have uh, this new show. That's right. That <laughs> <laughs> was the most uncomfortable and oh. awkward plug or Look, intro to a plug. Do you, want me to show you, do you want me to show you how I was going to do it? Yeah, yeah. I was going to get there and I was going to say, now usually I ask the guests if they've uh, been reading anything lately, but I imagine neither of you have had any time to read anything lately because you've been so busy working on your new science radio show slash podcast the pop test. That is, thank you very much, Dave. God, you're good yeah, at this. That was great. I don't know if you're busy in the second of the half of the year, but if we get another season, there might be an opening on the show. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> I genuinely have a lot of anxiety about that, that I'm going to be dropped. Um, hey, I love the show. Well, I love half of the show. <laughs> no, we have, so yes, you're absolutely right. We have a science comedy quiz show on the ABC that you can hear live on Radio National, 105 p.m. on Saturdays. But otherwise, you can download it as a podcast from absolutely anywhere on Earth. Yeah, it's called The Pop Test, and it's funny, but also we go over a broad topic and try to summarize it in 25 minutes. So we just did um, computers. Mm. That's why I listened to that on the way here in mm. podcast form, and I really learned a lot. There you go. I also laughed a lot, so tick, uh. tick. <laughs> this is great. This is the kind of feedback that I love getting. <laughs> yeah, positive. Positive. Yeah. Just if you've got any feedback, please make sure it's positive. Yeah, it's like, so um, we, get, we get two comedians on and a scientist, which is the acceptable ratio, uh, yeah. I believe. 
And, uh, and yeah, the first episode's out. It's about computers, we're history gonna, of computers and yeah. stuff. And then we're going to be doing, like, germ theory, the Earth's interior, where we talk about, like, how the Earth was formed and what's going on on the inside. And, you know, we got mm. a bunch of others, evolution. Did you mention mole people? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's almost all mole. I it might be. It's basically moles, all, mole yeah. people all the way down. <laughs> 25 minutes of mole people, a second of the word, like, mantle core or something. <laughs> Mantle core. <laughs> you know. Which is my favorite type of music. <laughs> Mantle core, mole core, it's all good stuff. Mm-hmm. So uh, so yeah, you can listen to that now. Dave, would you put would you be so good as to put a link in your show notes? Absolutely, I will do that. Yes. You know all what? Right. I'm gonna put a link to your podcast in my show notes. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. And Andy, if you could link to Al in your show notes. You know what I'm gonna do? When I die, I'm gonna get a link to your podcast engraved on my headstone. Oh, fantastic. Like a little tiny URL.com yeah, slash right. bookshop. <laughs> we got ourselves a Mexican standoff yeah. of links to each other's pod co- content. That's all right. That means it will never die, right? The mm-hmm. That's right. Going for infinity. Circle never dies. Yeah. Yeah. The triangle. I'll die. But no you, shapes you guys die. Can, you guys can live forever if you want. But I'll be uh, I'll be in that grave <laughs> if you need me. <laughs> well, fantastic! Thank you so much for being here. It is a great great show. I do love the pop test, and I people got to check that out as well as uh, two in the think tank. Mm, fantastic! Uh, the old Absolutely. old faithful. That's right. Yeah, no, love that thing. Love that thing. And that thing is my is our beast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's our it's our Frankenstein's monster. Uh, it's uh, you know it's nice to be near it. And it's a pleasant thing that we created. <laughs> I haven't read Frankenstein. <laughs> well, luckily I've already covered on book cheats. So I'm going to listen to listen that episode. To that. Yeah, I have listened to that episode and you nailed it. Yeah, yeah great. Yeah, that's exactly, exactly what happens. <laughs> Pretty spot on. Well, this is the first uh, book cheat back for uh, 2021. So who better to get than you fantastic folk? And I'm going to tell you this week about The Grapes of Wrath by <laughs> John Steinbeck. And that's our official pronunciation. We're going with wrath, not wrath. Oh, 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 what do you God. think? No, no, it has to be wrath. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> because for those who don't live in Australia, Australians have this thing, maybe they do it in the UK, where they pronounce wrath, wrath. And it is insane. There's no, they don't spell it with an O. <laughs> They don't add a W or something like that. Rolf. Yeah. Like that. Like, but, 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 but it's like you talk about it in the context of God, you know, the wrath of God. The wrath of God. Yeah. The wrath. Oh. You can't say the wrath of, of God. Of course, it's the wrath of God. No, it's the wrath. 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 Yeah. Wrath of God. Um, Two compelling arguments, I must say. Thank you. Oh. <laughs> I don't anyway, know. Anyway, it's, it's the wrath of God. I'm going to go have a bath <laughs> and uh, and uh, this and that. That's not, that, that doesn't make sure. I just couldn't think of a th- third rhyme. Fath. No, wrath. Fath. I mean, it does open itself up to more uh, pun work. The grapes of like broth or something for like a mm. soup or something. Exactly. A soup yeah. wine hybrid. And then, no, wait, I think in Australia they would pronounce that brath. <laughs> Grapes of brath. Well, I mean, you chose bath as an option. At least we're not calling it wrath. Um, and the, in, no, the, I that would actually back. be better. I am that calling be it wrath. It's wrath. Yeah, the third option. That, that actually would be better. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that wouldn't be more consistent with uh, <laughs> how you pronounce everything else and spell Yeah, that version alienates everyone and therefore no one can feel mm. like we've really. <laughs> Pointed out the right way to say it. The grapes of wrath. No, wrath. And also, he's one of the great American uh, book writers, right? <laughs> <laughs> well said. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so you, you, you can't, you know, sully his American uh, writing. Yeah, I'll take that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, yeah the author's intention, we can yeah. assume, wasn't wrath. <laughs> wasn't wrath. Wrath. Yeah, the grapes of 
wrath. Okay. I think that's what that's what I always thought it was. Yeah, it checks out. But that could be because before this, the only reference I really had was on The Simpsons when they uh. referenced it. The grapes of the grapes of wrath. They're at Diorama Rama. <laughs> they've all got a diorama based around a uh, famous novel or book. And uh, Nelson Muntz has the grapes of wrath. And Principal Skinner says, "I don't get it because it's just a bottle mm. of wrath grapes sitting there." And Nelson says, "Well, here's the grapes." And here's the wrath. And he just starts hitting it with a hammer. Mm. That's really good. Yeah, good. So that really, that's my only reference. But did you know much, do you know much about this book? I thought I did. I, before we came in, I was like, yeah, I know about that book. Yeah. And then I realized just before I got here, I was like, no, wait, I don't know anything about this book. <laughs> I'm thinking of Mice and Men, which I only know about because I listened to it on Book Chip. So, <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's Steinbeck as well? Yes. Yeah. Well, I have read a big part of, I think it's also Steinbeck, which is Tortilla Flat. Mm, right? That is another one, yes. Yeah, and I thought that that was Grapes of Wrath <laughs> because they're always drinking big liter things of wine in it. They're sort of, you know, they're sort of poor guys who are just trying to scam people out of a buck so that they can get <laughs> some wine and then go drink the wine. Now, there was some anger and there was some wine, so that feels like grapey and wrathy. Honestly, there's probably more wine in that than there is in this. Yeah. See, it's very interesting. So, but he's a very grapey writer. Yeah, great. Well, I like that. Who doesn't like grapes? Exactly. Although well, they're a very con- inconsistent fruit. You know, the the difference between a good grape and a bad grape. Oh, is you're huge. absolutely right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. But a good grape makes all the bad grapes worth it. Oh, absolutely. You're right. Yeah, I think you're right. And how how much better are the grapes that when you pull them off the little vine than the ones that are loose in the bag? Those mm, are always yeah. really, really mm. unpleasant. Yeah, well, you can't trust those. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, David told us before this that he's got a lot to get through. Well, it is. I must say, so of Mice and Men, it's one of my favorite ones I've done on the show so far. So that's why I wanted to do a bit more uh, John Steinbeck. I've also done another one of his Cannery Row. But this one, uh, which is seen as sort of his, his masterpiece, is about five times as long as of Mice and Men. <sighs> So there is a fair bit to get through, uh, but it has been suggested by quite a few people, and I've got to do a quick shout-out to Ben Rodriguez from Washington, D.C., Ashley Cosby from Nevada, Quentin Chalair from Tampa in Florida, Damien from Perth, Jenny Lloyd from Manatick in Canada, Stephanie Arnott from Gateshead, I assume the UK one, but who knows? And finally, the first person to ever suggest it over two years ago was Matt Stewart from Do Go On. Oh. <laughs> and under the tab, so you fill out a little form, there's a link in the description if you want to suggest a book, and you tell me why I should do it. And under the tab where you say, hey, you heard about the show, people usually write iTunes or, you know, they heard Do Go On or whatever. He just wrote, I'm on Do Go On with Dave. <laughs> so <laughs> thanks for that, Matt. <laughs> Hopefully he's listening to this two years later. And does Matt, does, has Matt read Grapes of Wrath? No. He also wrote, his only reference was that Simpsons thing that I yeah, just great. said. Yeah, great. Hopefully this will bring a whole new dimension well, to that Simpsons I think joke. it'll That's help right. us understand it. Mm-hmm. I, want, yeah, I, I love the, the Simpsons. The more you know, the more yeah. jokes you get. Ah, very good. Mm. Very good. Ah, yes. <laughs> yes. Very clever, Nelson. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes, I've heard a podcast about that. <laughs> uh, so The Graves of Wrath, a bit of background, is an American realist novel written by John Steinbeck and published in 1939. The best-selling book of that year, it was an instant success, receiving the Pulitzer Prize for Fiction, and was cited as a key reason Steinbeck won the Nobel Prize for Literature in 1962. Nice. So he was a realist. Yeah. Mm. First things first, I'm a realist. (laughs) That's him. (laughs) Quote John Steinbeck. (laughs) Uh, It's considered his... uh, 
his masterpiece after, of course, that sentence, and yeah. part of the American literary canon, and is often cited as one of the best novels of the 20th century. Good God. I know nothing, nothing about it. Yeah, it's often in, like the, the top 10 yeah. of the 20th century, yeah. It was published two years after a previous book cheap topic of Mice and Men and was followed by another topic, Cannery Row, in 1945. So that's sort of the order. Mm. Mm. Cannery Row is much more like uh, fun, right? Yes, it was. Cannery it Row, was... Tortilla Flat, there, Sweet Thursday, they're all pretty fun. There's a, there's a bunch of guys just sort of chilling. I haven't, I haven't read Cannery Row. Is about bobsledding? I <laughs> know, <laughs> but it could be. It, yeah. should, it is about just guys having basically uh, a good time. But this... Less of a good time, I'll say. Right. Can okay. I just say? But I did say to you guys off mic, this is, it's, this is, it's set during the Great Depression, this story. It is a little bit depressing. But last time you were on, you did a two-parter on Lolita. Obviously, some mm-hmm. troubling uh, <laughs> sure. some, stuff in that book. Some, some dark content. And we got through that. So I feel yeah. like we're invincible, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, you know, the, you know for, for a book that starts with the word lol... You think it's going to be a laugh a minute. Yeah. Oh, my God. It starts and ends there, doesn't it? Mm. And this one starts with grrr. <laughs> <laughs> so you think it's going to be, you know, sort of sexy. <laughs> oh, is that what you think? When grrr. You grrr. Yeah. That, yeah? yeah. Sort of like a sexy pirate or mm. something. <laughs> <laughs> Not R, but grrr. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like it. Well, I always start with the opening line just to give you a... Uh, a glimpse into the, the writing here. So it is, quote, To the red country and part of the grey country of Oklahoma, the last rains came gently, and they did not cut the scarred earth. The ploughs crossed and recrossed the rivulet marks. Mm. Okay. And we're off. And thus begins John Steinbeck's The Grapes of Wrath, much like of Mice and Men. It, it begins with a very, very long description of the environmental setting of the story. Yeah. Is, is a rivulet a small river? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah? Very good. Well, like, is it a creek? Two points. Is it a creek? Yeah, a, a, yeah, a little baby creek. It's a baby creek, so it's a small creek. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Creeklet. People often ask, <laughs> what's smaller than a creek? And the answer is a rivulet. A rivulet. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. That seems like that would be barely anything. I think I think a rivulet can literally be like just like a bit of water just like running down a, a, a lump of dirt or something maybe. Oh, so like like one of those, you know, sometimes you, you're walking oh, by I it. take that back. I might be wrong. Okay. You know, sometimes you're walking past like a sort of an incline and you see some some water just dripping off Mm -hmm. an edge. It's just a fancy dribble. Yeah, right. I've got the dictionary definition. Mm. Oh, no. A small stream of water or another liquid. (laughs) (laughs) You could have a custard rivulet. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) (gasps) Willy Wonka started with a rivulet. (laughs) You you start with a rivulet, then you build up. That's Mm -hmm. That's what I say. That's what I always say. That's, that's a Dave Warnicky <laughs> saying. <laughs> Thank Ism. you. Put it on my tombstone. Next to my link to twointhethinktank.com. <laughs> All right, we are in Oklahoma during the Great Depression of the 1930s, specifically during the Dust Bowl, when due to a combination, this is a real thing that happened in history, when due to a combination of severe drought and bad farming techniques, large dust storms dominated the region, mm, yeah. often for months at a time. I, uh, I, I listen to a lot of old folk music, a lot of Woody Guthrie. And there's a lot of Dust Bowl stuff. In fact, he had an album called Dust Bowl Ballads. Ah, I think and, there, is there uh, a song called The Ballad of Tom Jode or something? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. There is. Tom yeah. Jode, the main character in this book. <gasps> there you go. Really? Oh, finally we're going to understand this song. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Get a little bit more out of this song and out of Nelson's joke. 
<laughs> well, the opening chapter describes wives and children watching their husbands and fathers as they see the dust settle on and then slowly destroy their crops. So, spoiler alert, it's a pretty bleak setting. Mm. Good stuff. Yeah, what kind of crops are we talking? Maize? Uh, a bit of corn, a bit yeah. of cotton. Yeah, of course, yeah. Mm. I mean, wait, when did you say it was set? When, what year uh, 1939. 1939, of course. Well, it's published then, maybe a couple of years before that. Okay. But you said depression. Depression would be... Uh, 20s to early 30s? Yeah, so... Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm back in. <laughs> I don't think the year is ever explicitly said. It's Do just they talk about the, the age time. of the dirt? <laughs> this is, I guess probably millions of years old. Right? Yeah, geologically <laughs> speaking, yeah, okay. yeah. Do you want to do a test? Yeah. Uh, then we cut to a roadside restaurant where a truck driver speaks to a waitress. Outside, a man approaches the truck. Described as not yet 30, with dark brown eyes and high cheekbones, the man wears brand new clothing, including a hat with a brand new brim. Suspicious. Mm. Is it all new clothes? Yeah. New and everyone else is no. covered in dust. Why is he wearing new clothes? Yeah, I wonder if he's, he's still got that line in the shoulders of the shirt from mm. the coat hanger. Oh, yeah. Maybe he <laughs> owns a clothes store. Or maybe he's still got the coat hanger poking out the back. Maybe it's not really mm-hmm. a man walking up. Maybe it's somebody carrying a shop mannequin, and then yeah. they're going to move it to one side. We'll see the real person soon. Let's find out when Dave <laughs> says the next really, bit. He's, and he's obscured by his dust. Yeah. Well, when the truck driver comes out, the man in the hat asks him for a lift. No, oh, it's a real person. <laughs> or someone's operating this mannequin with a remote control. Mm. <laughs> but the driver replies, he's not allowed to pick up hitchhikers. It's against company policy. He says whilst pointing to a no-riders sticker. Sure, I've seen it, replies the hitchhiking hopeful. But sometimes a guy will be a good guy, even if some rich bastard makes him carry a sticker. This shames the man into giving him a lift. Nice. We've already hit on a key theme of the book, the rich bastards versus the workers. Oh, yeah. But I'm sus on this guy. He's got new clothes. I reckon he is a rich bastard. Oh. <gasps> well, the writer who will become a main character reveals his name is Tom Joad. I reckon it's an undercover boss situation. <laughs> it's actually the head of Domino's. <laughs> and he's coming in to see the delivery drivers, what they're doing, whether or not they're picking up hitchhikers. Yeah, oh, okay. going to pick up <laughs> He says, oh, sounds like a margarita in here. Mind if I have a slice? <laughs> Go ahead. The CEO's not here. <laughs> uh, what do I care? What am I, the CEO? That bastard. <laughs> Well, so he reveals his name is Tom Joad and he's on his way to his father's 40-acre farm. The driver is surprised to hear that his guest's father hasn't been driven out by the tractors yet. The two get talking and Tom Joad feels the driver is a bit of a nosy man and eventually calls him out and tells him what he thinks the driver suspects. Tom has just gotten out of prison, a place called McAllister where he spent the last four years and the clothes he's wearing were given to him by the prison and now he's going to go work for his father so he doesn't have to lie to get a job anywhere else. So that's why they're brand new clothes. <gasps> but this is what the trucker suspects, or is this what actually... That's, that's the truth. So he's asking questions or sort of dancing around mm. stuff. And but the trucker go, did suspect it, right? Well, that Tom Jode was like, I think you nosy. All right, fine, I'll just tell you. I've just yeah. got out of prison. And the guy's like, oh, I, don't, I, don't, I didn't ask. I didn't ask. Like, <laughs> yeah. But you implied. You wanted to know, mate. <laughs> The truck driver pretends not to be interested, but Tom taunt, taunts him by telling him what he's in for. He's like, you want, you want to know what I was in for? And the guy's like, I don't care. I don't want to know. And he goes, homicide. Damn. He, he was given seven years, but got out in four. Then he says, you've been a good guy, but look, when you've been in stir a little while, 
prison, you can smell a question coming from hell to breakfast. You telegraphed yours the first time you opened your trap. And with that, Tom starts walking up the road to his family farm. Wow. I love that a trucker can see a guy with no dust on him and be like, prison. Prison. <laughs> that guy's been, that guy's ex-con, like that. And then, But also, I like that this Tom Joad, mm. he can s- sniff a trucker and think, <laughs> he knows I I'm from, I'm, came from prison. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> So yeah, I think is... these two guys might be soulmates. I hope yeah, they, they get, get together. I know they get each other so quickly. Yeah, yeah. and I'm afraid that he just drives off and they, they never see each uh, other again. You're as, kidding me. As far as I'm aware. Yeah, I mean the book has to end somewhere. I haven't yeah. listened to the song "The Ballad of Tom Joad" yet, mm. so maybe the trucker makes. It. It's like is it like a sequel? Trucker make an appearance? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> it's the follow up. <laughs> trucker comes back. They get the band back together yeah. and go for another little drive. All dusty and clean. <laughs> Um, I, I'm, I'm this this whole driven out by the tractors business. So I reckon what this is is forty acres is actually not a very big farm. No, right? and I think this is the beginning of the era of like much bigger farming, um, mechanized farming. So you know, big farms, tractors, they can plow much bigger areas, and that's actually what contributes to the degradation of the soil, the dust bowl, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm. Fantastic prediction. Yeah. <gasps> Over-mechanization of the uh, thing mm-hmm. taken out of the hands of families. Or no, I think most farms in America are still owned by families, I think, rather than large cor- – like, I mean, I think large corporations probably. But it's families supply. and tractors. That families are- and yeah, tractors. That's right. Yeah, that's right. There's that's- one big tractor family. Oh, we got deer out here, John Deer. <laughs> <laughs> so he's walking along now, and he spies a man sitting against the trunk of a willow tree. The man recognises Tom and explains that he baptised Tom in an irrigation ditch when he was a boy. Tom realises, oh, that's the old reverend Jim Casey. But Casey explains he's no longer a preacher. He explains, ain't got the call no more. Got a lot of sinful ideas. But they seem kind of sensible. Mm. Ah, lost his faith. He's lost his faith. Yeah, that's cool. He used to run a packed service that would blow the lid off the tent. I get the feeling that he was a, a real performer. Mm. But these days, people still occasionally ask him to say a prayer or say grace, which he does, but his heart's not in it anymore. Oh, right. He's not believing the words he's saying. Yeah, that's like me with my old gear. I can't get up and, get up and go anymore. Ironically, he's seen the light. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, do you think he's gone atheist? He's just done a lot of questioning, yeah. Yeah. And so he's just probably hitting the booze or something. Yeah. Sin- sinful thoughts, I suppose. That's sex and booze and things like that. I mean, is drinking booze a sin? Well, Tom Tom Joad whips out a flask and goes, would you like some? And he goes, yes, I would. So yeah. they yeah. share a drink under that tree. And he admits to Tom that he used to preach virtue and immediately afterwards lay with one of the girls in the grass out back. And this sin and hypocrisy really made him question what he's doing. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it sounds like he might have questioned a little bit before that as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> There's so much sin in the world. Hallelujah. See you out the back. (laughs) Uh, He's an interesting character. Throughout the book, he's on sort of a philosophical quest to find himself and his purpose. This Mm. is Tom? No, this is uh, Reverend Jim Casey. Ah, sure, sure. And we know more about him because Tom asked Casey if he's heard from his dad lately because they all know each other. And he says he hasn't. But then Casey asks if he can come along for the journey to see the family, which Tom agrees to as they always liked the reverend. So now they're traveling as a pair. Now, uh, you'll notice that Jim Casey, his initials are JC. 
<gasps> you know someone else whose initials are JC? Mm, John. Julian Casablancas. Oh, yes. What? Right. <laughs> this guy is a stroke? So you saying he's going to have a stroke? It could be. Could be. Could be a foreshadowing. foreshadowing. But I will know, you know, you know, you know you're in the hands of a great writer when they give somebody the initials JC. That's all I'm saying. That's good. Mm-hmm. I like that very much. Uh, Tom also reveals what he was in prison for. It was homicide, yes, but it was self-defense. Oh. Uh, I guess it explains why he only got a seven-year sentence. He and another man got into a drunken fight, and when the man stabbed Tom, Tom killed him with a nearby shovel. He says, quote, knocked his head plumb to squash. Nice. Two vegetables in the <laughs> same sentence. <laughs> One, one's definitely a fruit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but if you were playing animal, mineral, vegetable... For a plum, which of those three would you say? Yeah, well, obviously, I'd marry the plum. <laughs> and I'd have sex with the squash. Oh, okay. I'd squish that squash. <laughs> and you'd kill the man who's just stabbed you. Yeah, that's right. right. But Tom, Tom has no regrets, and he says he'd do it again because he was just defending himself. Mm-hmm. So he's really, he hasn't really. Kill refle- that guy again, huh? Yeah, he, wasn't, he hasn't really reflected on his time in prison yeah. and thought. I guess the parole board, maybe he told them a different story, but mm. they let him out in four years. No, I mean, I think for self-defense, I think that's, that's okay. Right? Like, you'd defend yourself again. You wouldn't, yeah. you, wouldn't, you wouldn't let yourself be killed. If I had my time again, I'd let him stab me to death. Yeah, that right. way I wouldn't have to go to prison <laughs> <Yeah>. anymore. <laughs> this place is horrific. Uh, they finally come upon the Jode farmhouse, and instantly Tom knows something is up. The house has been deserted. <gasps> Now, the way the book is written, it mostly follows Tom Joad's journey, but it also is interspersed with uh, little prose poems, little interludes that explain the widest circumstances of the world around the characters we're following. And Steinbeck writes in a range of styles, but they give a a snapshot of the situation and just paint a wider picture. Mm. And I'll give an example of some of the writing later. Mm. I'll get to one I quite like. But the first one, it's every sort of... Three chapters or so, there's just a mini one where we go outside the, the group we're following. And the first one explains the background of the farmers in the area, including the Jode family. And what has happened, as Andy almost uh, exactly predicted, to nearly all of the tenant farmers in the area is that they were no longer able to pay their rent because they were just renting the farms. And the, the large landowner and banks have evicted them all. Mm, right. mm. Uh, they used to own the land, but then when the drought struck... They had to sell it back to the bank to survive and then just keep renting it. But then the dust bowl hit and now they can't afford the rent at all. The farmers contend they've got nowhere to go and they're just told by the banks to go west to California to find work. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, these are tough times. Mm. Um, it's interesting that the house was deserted as well. Um, sorry, just because, you know, that dust bowl, that's the first step towards desertization <laughs> yeah. of arable land, you know? So, you know, he's really putting layers in this. <laughs> layers of dust. Layers of dust. And then sand. And then also abs- a layer of absence of people <laughs> in a yes. house. I did read, there was a quote from John Steinbeck describing the work, and he's like, you know, if, if you can see it, I've put up to five different layers in this book. <laughs> Seriously. And he goes, and you can see as many as you're able to. What? So, he actually said yeah. that? Yeah. Alistair. Hello. He can, this man can spot a layer. Yeah, I, yeah. I think there's a geological got, layer. Yeah. I, think, I think you should work in um, geology. Me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, think I you thought it was be being in book reading. Mm-hmm. Wow. 
reading books. Oh, you should. And one of the layers, Manticore. Yeah. <laughs> Mole people. <laughs> Mole people at the bottom. Seriously, he said there were five layers. It really made me laugh because there probably is, but just the way he's sort of bigging it up, like, and if you get it, you get it. If you don't, <laughs> yeah. that's on you. If you only see yeah. four layers, whatever, man. That's cool, man. It's like one of those tricks where you're like, how many triangles can you see? <laughs> yeah. And you're like, fucking, I don't know. I'll look at the answer and then find that many. <laughs> but but he might reckon that just having the guy's initials being JC, mm. he's like, that guy's Jesus. That's one a layer. That's a like, whole layer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe they're all the initials. Mm. TJ. Yeah. <laughs> what could it be? Tom Jones. Tijuana. Yes, Tom Jones. Tijuana, Tijuana. Mm. Tom Jones, though. Imagine yeah. that. Time Justice. Time Justice. That's a new show I'm going to pitch. That's all. <laughs> I like it. But he got the pitch from one of the layers. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> grapes of rice. John Steinbeck has to sort of retroactively create things to give a new layer, so he's <laughs> pitching a show called The Time Justice. <laughs> Just um, and he's setting it before this so mm, that yes, it can work retroactive as a layer. What a guy! Mm. No wonder he won the Nobel Prize. <laughs> so the landowners have access to the people that have kicked him off have access to modern farming equipment like tractors that will plow the land. And if they don't leave the tractors, they're threatened that the tractors will drive into the side of their house, which is what has happened to the Jode residents. Like it's literally physically been squashed by a tractor. Yeah, so they later look at it and it's like off its foundations because... And they'll say it's an accident. Yeah. But basically they're threatened like, oh, well, my guy, well, if you don't leave here, he'll, I don't know, he might accidentally run down the side of your barn, side of your house. Mm. And they actually did that. Now, the banks are seen as faceless corporations impossible to rebel against. Mm. Good thing. It's not like that. Often, yeah. Not since (laughs) Wall Street bets. That's right. (laughs) Let's just change that. Inspired by this book. Yeah. Uh, The farmers are shocked to see that many of the tractor drivers are people they know, now working for the very people that have evicted their community. One of the drivers is asked, well, what are you doing this kind of work for against your own people? And the guy replies, $3 a day. I got damn sick of creeping for my dinner and not getting it. I got a wife and kids. We got to eat. $3 a day and it comes every day. That's right, the tenant said. But for all your $3 a day, 15 or 20 families can't eat at all. Nearly 100 people have to go out and wander on the roads for your $3 a day. Is that right? And the driver says, can't think of that. Got to think of my own kids. $3 a day and it comes every day. Times are changing, mister. Don't you know? I'm not sure, but I think this book is pro-capitalism. <laughs> now I'm just so, so far. You know, cards you know, on the table. I think, I think, I think Steinbeck and this book in general, big, big fans of the capitalist but real system. Capo. But mm. you can you can talk about these bad things happening without being pro it. I mean, as we discovered in Lolita, which was inappropriate. Mm, <laughs> mm. Uh, I, I I was trying to do a joke, Alice. <laughs> Oh, yeah. It was obviously really strong. It was <laughs> Andy. We don't know. We don't. Maybe you're pro capitalist, and you you're just trying drive to drive a tractor into the side of my self esteem. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> no, he's it clean off its foundations. Yeah, apologies. He does seem to be very much on the side of the working class people. That's great for selling lots of books, I reckon. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I'm writing a book just for the one percent. Yeah. Mm, no, that's thank right. you. Well, well hopefully they'll they'll just buy one million copies each. They can afford that's it. What they do. But that's that's the what great... they do. So they never have to look for it. Yeah, that's right. one it's, in every house they own. It's kind of like that with like you know with stand up. It's like it's always like 
the working class comedians who get the richest. Yeah. I'm just, oh, wait, I won't do any voices. I'm just like you. <laughs> I'm, I'm just like you. There you go. That's my voice. Sounds like me. I must have got rich. I'm, That's a wow. good bit. You should do that. <laughs> I'm just like you. <laughs> anyway. Now, this is obviously a tragic story. And as we'll hear throughout the book, it was the reality for thousands of farmers. But it did make it slightly harder to feel sorry for these people during the section when a few times here and throughout the book, they proudly claimed that their great-grandparents cleared the land of Indians, quote, themselves. Mm. A bit like, but they're, they're always like, but we've been here for generations. This is our land. And then you came came along and kicked us off. Mm. We even got rid of the Indians. <laughs> and you just wonder how many hundreds of generations were Native Americans there when they were kicked off by their great-grandparents. So anyway, still absolutely tragic, but I just thought I had to flag that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, that's, that's, that, you, you read a bit of Dark Emu, you know, a bit of Dark Emu, Bruce Pascoe's book about Australian indigenous agriculture and how, like, you know, there was agriculture before white people arrived and we had the soil was actually great, you know, and, and uh, the outback, which now is, is so dry and uh, inhospitable, was very different. It was managed uh-huh. in a very different way. And, uh, you know, we brought in hooved animals and that sort of thing and fucked it up real quick. Turned it into a dust bowl. That's right. Of sorts. Mm-hmm. Mm, a lot of parallels. It almost could be another layer. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Maybe you were on the inappropriate watch for Lolita. Maybe mm. you could be on layer watch. Layer watch. <laughs> <laughs> How many? I mean, we're at least two already. Yeah. Two or five. But, I mean, imagine if you could beat Steinbeck at his own game and be like, oh, you only saw five layers in your work. <laughs> Well, I saw oh, 15. God. Come on. Have to very track. basic. He's dead, though, right? Yeah. I have very... to track down some of his family members to <laughs> yeah, float to them, yeah, I suppose. Right. <laughs> Find his grandchildren. So so that's the background of the story, and this is these little vignettes that sort of explain the wider context. But So Tom and Casey arrive at the Jode farm and find it abandoned. Strangely, though, it hasn't been completely stripped, something that usually would have happened when a family leaves a house. He talks of a time where even, like... Um, the wood on the side of a wall would be stripped if a family was yeah, thought yeah. to have left. But the house looks like it's been hit with something. It was by a tractor, but they don't know that yet. Yeah. Uh, Tom's neighbour arrives and explains that his family have packed up to move west to California, but they haven't left just yet. They're all staying with Tom's uncle John up the road, saving money and getting ready for the thousands of miles of travel that lies before them. Is that John Jode? What a crazy name. Uncle I guess, John, yeah, John. Uncle John Jode, yeah. JJ. JJ Abrams. Mm. <laughs> makes, you, makes you think. Leia. Lost. Lost. They're lost. <gasps> I don't know what that means. Well, yeah. you know. He created you lost. Oh, he created lost. lost. Sorry. <laughs> they are lost. Yeah. Whoa. In many ways. Yeah. Hey, Leia. Mm. Leia. <laughs> so, Tom and the preacher Casey head to Uncle John Jode's farm where they rendezvous with Tom's family. His parents, Ma and Pa Jode, good names, <laughs> don't recognise Tom at first. But when they do, they're very happy to see him until they panic. Hang on a second, have you broken out of prison? How are you here? He explains he was bailed, and it's all good. And they and he's let out legally, and they are very relieved. Especially Ma, who felt guilty about leaving without Tom knowing where they were going. <laughs> Could mm. leave a note of said a letter to them. Honestly, <laughs> he talks about. Pa, 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 he, he proudly says, Pa can read and write, but he's not much of a letter writer, so he never wrote me. Yeah, sure. It's like, oh, okay. Not even a letter to say we're moving to California. Oh, man. 
not for me. Yeah, I mean, it, it, things were less accessible. Probably, probably had to drive, you know, like a long time just to get to a just to get to a post box. Right. You know, you got to think about that. You got to think about that. Well, your son's all alone in prison. Yeah. Wasn't like now you can just text him an emoji, emoji. and he can get it on a smuggled-in cell phone. Yeah, yeah, in his butt. Yeah, that's right. Oh, text hang on, it straight into his butt, and it's absorbed into the bloodstream faster. <laughs> you can feel it. You can, feel you can it read up. it faster. I reckon yeah. that's a squirrel emoji. I can feel it. <laughs> we slowly meet the Jode family, and it's quite a family. There's fiery old grandpa who, despite his age, still works out on the farm. Until recently, when he busted his hip. He frequently struggles to button up his fly. Hello, much needed comic relief. Oh, yes. <laughs> He's always getting the buttons in the wrong order, you know? Really? So does like stuff fly out or is it Yeah, just... well it's a button up fly and at one stage he buttons his shirt into his pants. Yes. Here yeah, we great. go. Very funny. Yeah. It is a classic. Wait, is this pre zipper? Yeah, this might have been pre-zipper. <gasps> what year was the zipper made? Well, maybe oh. for the working class. These people are quite poor. That's true. The zipper would have been a That's thing a luxury of, the, item. of the aristocrats at the time. Mm. Surely. <laughs> it's just a, you know how buckles. wealthy someone is and how many zips they've got. Yeah. It's like a, a suit covered in 50 zippers. Yeah, ca- cargo pants. <laughs> That's right. I can strip off every inch of these pants. Yeah. Who is this? The president? <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's grandma who, quote, only survived because she was as mean as her husband. She had held her own with a shrill, ferocious religiosity that was as lecherous and as savage as anything Grandpa could offer. Once after a meeting, while she, uh, she was still speaking in tongues, she fired both barrels of a shotgun at her husband, ripping one of his buttocks nearly off. And after that, he admired her and did not try to torture her as children torture bugs. Oh, well, that's oh. nice. Every relationship... <laughs> You know, needs to have a foundation. <laughs> needs to find an equilibrium. <laughs> yeah, and theirs uh, is based on the hilarious time that she nearly ruined his ass. I guess yeah. to stop <laughs> domestic violence, right? So she's like, I like if you try stuff on me, I will. Sh- I am not afraid. to Yeah, shoot I think, and just like yeah, like teasing her and all sorts, like giving her giving her shit basically. And imagine one day she had enough and shot his ass off. Imagine that kind of advice. It's like prison advice. It's like you know, your mom gives gives this grand grandma. Her mom gives her the grandma she goes now when you enter a, a, a marriage you walk into the biggest husband in the house <laughs> and you shoot, shoot him in the ass shoot off the biggest ass <laughs> and then he'll respect you <laughs> well it works so he really doesn't you really uh, listen to his wife uh, there's pa tom joad senior he's the leader of the family his wife ma whose name we never learn she's just ma who will come to learn is in many ways the real leader of the family who attempts to keep them together at all costs. Nice. I like Mara a lot. Yeah, great. Cool. Then they have many children other than Tom Joe. <laughs> many, many children. Uh, there's Noah, Tom's older brother, who is, quote, tall and strange, walking always with a wondering look on his face, calm and puzzled. He never had been angry in his life. He looked in wonder at angry people. Wonder and uneasiness. As normal people, look at the insane. Yeah, he's going to go crazy. He's going to kill someone. That's my pick. Okay, I like that. I like these predictions. Yeah, Yeah. I like that. I think he's going to become an artist and become very rich. (laughs) Very happy for the rest of his life. (laughs) Maybe invent the helicopter. (laughs) (laughs) Alistair, go with these these low percentage bets, but I like it. The payoff could be huge. (laughs) 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 <laughs> just at the end, 
like at the end of a teen movie or something. It's got all these things of what happened to everybody. <laughs> no, we're trying to invent the helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> Because because you write a really serious novel. By the time people get to the end, they've already decided if you won the Nobel Prize, and then yeah, that's right. you, it's, it's your chance to have a little bit of fun with it. That's you a, can I chuck mean, a few postscripts in there. Well, like twenty people are nominated loose. every year. You got they got to read their entire back catalogue. Exactly. You're not getting to the end of every book. A little Easter egg. This or thing two. has five six hundred pages. <laughs> You're not going to get to the back. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, what do you think of this name? I've never heard of it before. It's Rose of Sharon. Wow. Rose of Sharon, which is, it's a type of plant. Is that like all one, one word? Ro- Rose. Rose of Sharon. It's three words written down, but they call her Rosa Sean. Oh, okay. So it's a bit a little Irish. Their yeah. accent. You know Rose. that thing that they do where Rose. they like put a whole lot of Rose stuff Sean. all together. Yeah. Yeah. Is it sort of written in a bit in that dialect kind of style? Yes, there is very like, much. Yeah, yeah. Like instead, instead of hundred, they would say hundred. H u n d r d. Hundred. Hundred. Rosa Shawn, that kind of thing. Rosa Shawn. And whilst Tom was in prison, uh, Rosa Shawn married a boy from a nearby town called Connie, and is now pregnant, quite heavily pregnant. Boy and called Connie. Yeah. Mm. He's also there. Could be Conway. Maybe yeah. like. Yeah. Could be. Could, could be Conald. Conald, yeah. Mm. Could be Constifer. <laughs> Constantine, maybe? Yeah, Constantine. Dave, Dave if, you, if you're hating any of this, <laughs> you can just squeeze my leg under the table or something yeah. and, and we'll stop. Yeah. If you, yeah. If I get any kind of like negative feedback, I will retract within myself. So that'll be a great way to shut me up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm loving it. Well, that's, that's why it. he can just squeeze me. Look, I'm just trying to get a squeeze out of this. <laughs> well, yeah, that's my right. kidding. I yeah. mean, I came here for a squeeze. I've had nothing so far. Um, <laughs> also, my I'm got a prediction that Rosa Sean, Rosa Sean, Rosa Sean, uh, yes. Rosa Sharon, she might be connected to another layer. Oh, okay, yeah, a botanical layer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, seriously, it is a, it is some sort of plant. When I looked it up, because I was like, is that a name? She's gonna have a bloom in this, in this. Uh, All right. In, yeah. in this thing, yeah. Or she's gonna die because of dust. Or <laughs> she'll get yeah. covered in dust. Yeah. <laughs> Her skin won't be able to get much needed sunlight because the crops, which are plants, mm. have been killed by the dust. Someone with the name of a plant. That's a that's absolutely a layer. That's a full layer mm. right there. Wow, this thing's like an onion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Killed by dust. Hmm. Steep man. Thank you for being here. No, I did no not problem. get that before. Yeah. Uh, we're only about halfway through this family. It's huge. Oh, uh, Tom's God. younger brother Al, who was a skilled mechanic, very important for anyone making long journeys in those days in very mm. old cars. He's also a ladies' man and constantly off finding women wherever they stop. Okay. Yeah. Right. Where do they stop? Where do women stop? <laughs> <laughs> Whenever I see them, they're always on the go. They're always on the go. <laughs> Slow down. Uh, there's two young siblings as well, Ruthie and Winfield, or Winfeld, who play and bicker together. Winfield, it is Winfield, is about 10 and Ruthie is not much older. And they're all basically kids of Ma and Pa. And then there's Uncle John, whose house we are now at. His deal is that many years ago, his wife complained about having a bad stomachache and he fobbed her off and basically told her to go to bed. And then her appendix ended up rupturing and she died. Now he lives with that guilt. He tries to make up for it by either being kind, for example, giving candy to kids and things like that. Or the other option is drinking till he gets blackout drunk. He oscillates between those two things. 
And I, and I bet you he doesn't get friendlier during that time, right? No. He just starts talking about his sins and uh, how many sins he's committed. And the family tell him they don't want to be burdened with it. <laughs> a problem shared is not a problem halved in this family. Yeah. They're like, keep your sin to yourself. I don't want to know. And what's this guy's name? Uncle something? Uncle, That's Uncle John Jode. John, okay, so that's John Jode, the... Was he the JJ. preacher? No, no, he's the, just the no, uncle who owns the house. Okay, yeah, that's right. Okay, Yeah, so it's Jim Casey's the preacher, and yep. then there's Tom Jode is our main guy, and his father is also Tom. Yeah, great, Tom Sr. Tom Sr. Yeah. But that is the, uh, the Jode family. So it's 12 members of the family and then the preacher. Yeah. So there's many characters in this book. What a ragtag team. They really mm-hmm. are. And now with no farm, like everyone in this situation, they have decided to head west to California to find work. They have to sell all their possessions to fund the trip, and we learned that tenant farmers get screwed over again here because the pawn shops that buy their stuff know how desperate they are to get away and they end up offering them only a percentage of what their stuff is worth. Yeah. And bitterly, the farmers have to take what they can get. And in Joe's case, Park goes away, sells nearly all of their stuff and comes back with only $18, which yeah. even then is very little. <laughs> Brutal. I mean, you've got to think so, of it from the pawn guy's point of view. He's overloaded with stock. Yeah, yeah. Right? who's this he going to sell this to? This is like... <laughs> That's like, true. Yeah. Out. This is yeah. Everybody's getting out, and this is like the the, the charity shops when Mary Mary Condo was popular. Oh man! And they were just overloaded with everything, and then suddenly every, they have to sell everything at a low price as well because nobody's buying stuff. Everybody's decluttering. But yeah, I mean, he, they, do they look at it in that way? Do they sort of try and look on the bright side and say, oh, well, it's a bit minimalist. We're decluttering. Yeah, that's right. We've got nothing. This is yeah. great. Yeah, <laughs> look at all this space. <laughs> <laughs> Now we can focus on experiences. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. (laughs) I mean, who needs money? Who needs things? Mm -hmm. Who needs food? Mm -hmm. It's a good time to find spirituality. Yeah, that's right. Unfortunately, the preacher has lost that. Oh, no. Sorry. Hey, book cheaters. Just Dave here dropping in to tell you that this week's episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. Now, you might be somewhere in the world right now that's pretty cold, and the cold weather might be keeping you inside. One of my favorite ways when I'm cold to mentally escape is to curl up and get lost in a TV show. And that's why I reckon you should check out Acorn TV. It's a streaming service that's rooted in British television. It's got a rich catalog of exclusive, award-winning series across many genres, including mysteries, dramas, comedies, and so much more. From production through to the performances, the series you'll find on Acon TV are exceptional because they're cleverly written, visually striking, my god they look great, and feature renowned actors like David Tennant and Thandie Newton. And of course, my beloved David Suchet, now Sir David Suchet, who plays Poirot that you can find on Acon TV. But I've got a new suggestion. If you're a fan of quirky British comedy, then The Other One is a must-watch. It follows two sisters from very different worlds who had no idea the other existed until their father drops dead. And if you're a fan of Downton Abbey, the other one features a hilarious performance from the beloved Siobhan Finneran. The other one, Poirot, they're both on there, plus there's thousands of hours of new, refreshing content on Acorn TV for a fraction of the cost compared to most streaming services. It costs just $5.99 a month. I watch it on my iPhone, got the app, and also on my smart TV. So really, you can watch it anywhere. So escape to Britain and beyond without leaving your seat by trying Acorn TV free for 30 days when you go to acorn.tv and use my promo code BOOKCHEAT. All one word. That's acorn.tv with the code BOOKCHEAT 
to get your first 30 days for free. A-C-O-R-N dot TV with the code BOOKCHEAT. You'll have a great time with Acorn TV. Now back to the podcast. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. So Tom and his ma speak about California, and the reason they're heading there is that they've seen a handbill advertising for fruit pickers. They've heard it's nice and that people get paid decent wages and there's heaps of jobs. That's mm. why. Mara's ex- all I can do to stop seeing folk songs this whole time. <laughs> what, what do you, what, which one's going California through your head right now? California is a garden of Eden, a paradise to live in or see. But believe it or not, you won't find it so hard if you ain't got that do re me. So that's a Woody Guthrie song singing about the, the, the thing of like everybody thinks you've got to go to California, but actually you need money to go to California. Oh, so even to get there to make money, you need yeah, money. Yeah, yeah. Yep, but if only right. they hadn't pawned their Woody Guthrie records, mm, they would have known what so they were much. getting into. Mm-hmm. But sadly, they don't know. Because Mara's excited about California because she said the weather is always perfect. There's plenty of work and hopes that they can live in one of them nice white houses with a white picket fence. Grandpa starts talking about how much fruit he's going to eat. They're all very excited <laughs> to get to California. Mm. <laughs> and then when Tom says that he met a man from California who says there's not enough work out there and that folks struggle to get by. Mara taught that there is because why would they be sending out nicely printed leaflets advertising jobs? It makes no spe- sense to, to spend money on advertising something when you don't need it. The fucking local big job farmer nuts are, are printing this stuff just to get people out of there. It's a, it's a Soylent Green scenario. Oh, no, and once you get out there, you're like, well, we can't go back now. Yeah, yeah. <gasps> this is like there are no cats in America. That's right. <laughs> 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 what does that mean? That's from, uh, He's talking about five. Is it five all goes west? Or yeah. There are no cats in America, yeah. and the streets are paved with cheese. Yeah, it's I think th- it's mice getting on a boat. Yeah, it's not. It's not five all goes west because that's the second one. Oh, right. That's when they go to America. Yeah, what is from that? Europe? I think, mm. and then they were lured there. I was telling them there was no cats in America, but I think it might have been the cats luring them there. Oh, I, I see. Can't exactly. mm. Yeah. This is our. This is what we're bringing to the table. In terms <laughs> is that, of a, la- is that a layer? An American tale, I think it was called. Oh, thank you. Oh, it could be a layer. A layer, maybe. A little reference. This is an American tale. It could be a That's right. <laughs> so it's decided they'll make the journey. Everyone's like, shut up, Tom. We don't want to hear your truth. Despite the fact that one of Tom's bail conditions is that he won't leave the state. He decides he'll lay low, stay out of trouble, and it's worth the risk to stay with the family. Mm. Uh-oh. The journey should take about two weeks. Jim Casey asks if he can come too, and the family agree. They like him. Yeah. Even though, even though there's now a 13th man. Yeah. Ma oh, says, Ma says mm. he'll come in handy, this there's guy. There's 13 of them, just like at the Last Supper. <gasps> I, reckon, I reckon with JC in the middle of this, yeah. it's going to get very close to being a layer. <laughs> So they let JC come along. Ma says, this guy will come in handy. She's like, no, there's, you know, having a, a strong man around that can work, 
how can this possibly be harm? That's what she says. They all pack up and no one ever got harmed by a strong man. (laughs) Damn right. They all pack up the next morning. They're ready to go when Grandpa decides he doesn't want to go anymore. He spent his whole life out here and he's not going to leave it all now, despite the fact that 12 hours ago he was like, I, I cannot wait to eat my weight in passion fruit. <laughs> that would be so hard. <laughs> so little and all the fruits, All the fruits. He's like, my God, I should, should have picked like pineapple or something. I reckon 5% of that fruit is content that you can actually eat. <laughs> but even the bit that you can eat, like all those crunchy little seeds. I mean, his teeth are going like, to get in there. Oh, no, he's he going to be picking for oh. days. It's eight eight thousand passion fruit. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's like if you, there's such a small percentage of it that is actually edible, and then a small percentage of that winds up in your teeth, and then you eat your body's worth, your body's mm. weight worth. You're gonna have probably half your body's weight now in your mouth. Oh my god, stuck so just, between your teeth. And now, unfortunately, you're now one and a half times your own body weight because people are gonna weigh you. And, and that means you got to keep eating. Yeah, you got to keep eating. <laughs> it's, it's an infinite loop of passion fruit. Can you, I can see why he doesn't want to leave his house now. Yeah. yeah. No. They try and convince him, but he won't budge, so they do the only logical thing, and they drug his coffee, load him into the back Whoa, of the truck. Whoa, this is already escalated. They've got drugs? <laughs> that doesn't sound so bad. Yeah. <laughs> wonder what they gave him. Yeah, they gave, him, they gave him some sort of sleeping concoction. We've got to pick who's going to be the Judas in this scenario, because mm. if this is a biblical fucking thing, okay. one of these 13 is going to turn out to be a Judas. Yeah, and I was wondering who, who the Romans will be. Will they be some random Italians? Mm. It's going to be John Jode because yeah. he's another J for Judas, and he is tormented like Judas was. Okay. He's yeah. going to in some way betray them. Yeah, that's very interesting. And I'm going to say... <laughs> John Jode invents the jet ski. <laughs> you know, that's a good prediction. I'm going to go with that. You start with a jet ski, you move on to a helicopter. Yeah. <laughs> so now with Grandpa passed out, the 13 of them and their dog put all... Well, they have three dogs and they decide to only take one and they leave two with the neighbour. Ooh. Okay. They pack all their worldly possessions in the back of their 1926 Hudson Super 6, hmm. which they refer to as their truck. It's uh, like a minibus? Or yeah, it? oh, it's more like... Uh, One of those old pumpkin trucks. Those old sort of vanny type things. Hmm. Uh, where four of them sit up the front of the cabin and the rest just lie on mattresses amongst their possessions in the back, which is open, and they've got a large tarp over to keep the rain out. Yeah, cool. So there's nine of them in the back. It's crazy, yeah. Uh, they join the famous Route 66, referred to as the main migrant road. Yeah, right. And there's a lot of traffic all heading one way. It's all going west to California. Mm-hmm. And this is another one of the shorter chapters where Steinbeck gives us an insight into the general feeling by writing in multiple voices. And this short snippet might give you an idea of what the markets are thinking about as they drive. And also... The who? The markets? So the, the migrants. 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 So what sorry. they're thinking as they drive along. And also this is just an example of uh, the, the style of writing that he sort of snaps into every third chapter or so. Listen to the motor. Listen to the wheels. Listen with your ears and with your hands on the steering wheel. Listen with the palm of your hand on the gear shift lever. Listen with your feet on the floorboards. Listen to the pounding old jalopy, which is just an old shitty car, Mm. uh, with all your senses for a change of tone, a variation of rhythm. May mean a week here, the rattle, that's tappets. Don't hurt a bit. Tappets can rattle till Jesus come home with no harm. Jesus, there it is. (laughs) But that thudding as the car moves along, can't hear that. Just kind of feel it. Maybe oil isn't getting someplace. Maybe a bearing's starting to go. Jesus, if it's a bearing, what will we do? Money's going fast. 
And why is the son of a bitch heat up so hot today? This ain't no climb. Let's look. God almighty, the fan belt's gone. Here, make a belt out of this little piece of rope. Let's see how long. There. I'll splice the ends. Now take her slow. Slow till we can get her a town. That rope belt won't last long. If we can only get to California where the oranges grow before this old jug blows up. If only we can. Mm. Yeah, this is tough. These are people uh, don't probably don't have a, a good line of credit. Yeah. They can't. <laughs> they but probably... I, it sounds fun. I like that. Yeah, yeah. fan belt's gone. Fix it with a bit of rope. Yeah, that's fun. She'll be right. It if is. you know what you're doing, it'll be great. Which yeah. I imagine someone like you, Andy, does. But I'm there going fan belt. What the hell's that? Yeah, I think I think uh, it's fun in the way when you're not in that situation where. If you break down in the middle of the desert or whatever, mm. then you don't have any way of surviving. Yeah, it's yeah, fun when right. if you're Bear Grylls with a camera crew following you. Absolutely. And they've got cameras just full of water. Bear, gr- <laughs> Bear Grylls should do this <laughs> to mm. the Grapes of Wrath. Bear Grylls, just him, 66. him and 12 celebrities <laughs> doing the do, doing the Dust Bowl thing. And, uh, you know, and he basically shows up these guys and he gets it right every single time. Shows them what they should have done. I like this pitch. Rubs their face in it. Yeah. I wonder what, Bear, how Bear Grylls is with fixing cars. Really good. He's got the word grills in his name. That's true. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Wait, so I think that makes it sound like he could pimp up your ride. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. I'll fix up this uh, these kind of these <laughs> these uh, hydraulics that make your car bounce with some <laughs> shoestrings. Yeah, I like it. He's always trying to install NOS. <laughs> if you squeeze this elephant dung. Into your carburetor, <laughs> you can use it like NOS. <laughs> doesn't sound anything like a butt. No, it was exactly right. I just, I, it sounds like I just put an, an insert of him talking. Yeah. That was Al. Uh, in the Jode family, it's teenage Al who was in charge of keeping an eye on the truck and its engine. And he takes the job very seriously, driving all day and feeling for any sign that something needs to be fixed or replaced. He's very in tune with mm, the vehicle. Yeah, that's right. He's one with his machine. Mm-hmm. It's nice. Do you think there's a layer there? <laughs> I'm, I was being. wondering if there was a layer in the fact that Jode and Road sound very similar. <laughs> Hit the Jode. Yeah, that's right. I like that. Mm. Well, they stop for fuel at a gas station where the first bit of tragedy strikes the family. Whilst resting at the service station, their dog runs onto the road and gets hit by a car. Oh, fuck. They should have brought those other dogs. No, they they'd still have two no, more dogs. No, it's their only dog. Rose of Sharon, Tom's pregnant sister, is worried that seeing such a gruesome sight will affect her unborn baby. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. She's got to make it all about herself, doesn't she? She does throughout the entire book. Does she? I must say. Yeah, right. She's always like, oh, that, must, that might be bad for the baby. Oh, oh. And they're like, okay. There's probably a lot of things in her life that are way worse, like the famine that she's probably going through <laughs> yes, and things like that. Is she is going true. through famine, are they? Yeah, well, they at this stage, they, I mean, when they, they cook up, they cook up lard and sort of... Hard biscuits and little They're bits of They're about to eat that dog. They're doing okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we oh, eating tonight. Got some new meat. Uh, they always talk, they're always talking about side meat, which I wasn't 100% sure which part of the animal that is. Love handles. But they're like, oh. And, cause, and they talk about it as if, like, if you've got side meat, you're doing good. Yeah, yeah right. I think it's cheeks, cheek, beef cheek. Yeah. Yeah, what do you think? I, 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 I actually have no idea. Salt, pork, or bacon? Typically cut from the side of the pig. So ah, salt pork right. Yes. So, so it must be, you know, salted meats <clears throat> that can last a long time that are come from a pig. Because they talk about like, um, oh, we're, we're having breakfast this morning. Couldn't afford no side meat today. 
Mm. So it's like a, but also maybe it's meat that you just have on the side of your plate, you know, a little something on the side. Mm. But it does, they did say that it does typically typically cut from the side of the pig. Yeah, and that's a coincidence. <laughs> yeah, well, no, 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 but what you're, what you're describing, Andy, is a layer. Yeah. <laughs> God, I'm glad that we, under, we know what layers are. Yeah. <laughs> it's really clear that we have a deep understanding of the nature of a layer. Yeah. <laughs> They're also always talking about the, like the, because it's written like sort of from a narrator's perspective. It's like an unnamed mm. narrator. Mm. Um, always talking about when a, a character gets down on their hands and knees, this is they get down on their hams. Oh, interesting. Mm. Yeah, good. He got down on his hams. I like that. <laughs> I want to bring that in. I Do mean, that's your reading that it's their hands and knees. I think they're getting down on actual hams. That is possible too. Because a hams. ham sounds very close to side meat, you know? Mm. It's a salted. Oh, they get down on their side meat. <laughs> if you know what I mean. Yeah. Sort of lay on their side. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just putting that out there. So they continue on through the large Oklahoma City, and they were all wowed by the, the, the big city. Yeah. The kids are like, I've but they're never not seen stopping anything. there. Like, it's still no good. No, can't. Like, for some reason, they just can't get jobs there. Yeah, right. So they keep driving until nightfall where they must find somewhere to camp. They see a place on the side of the road where people have already pulled over for the night and Pa asks if the family can camp alongside theirs. The people agree, saying they don't own the land and they'd be, quote, proud to have you. Mm, nice. nice. Good country folk. You know, yeah, I'll be sal- proud to have you. Proud sal- to meet you. Salt of the earth. Mm-hmm. You know, people in the country are good to each other. It's not like in the city here. Mm, that's right. Not like in Oklahoma City. No. Um, those people, these people are going to steal their shit. Yeah, <laughs> tell you right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then one of them is going to invent the ladder. <laughs> <laughs> well, the two people are Ivy and Sari Wilson. Sari. A, uh, a married couple who have actually broken down on the side of the road. So the reason they're there is their car stopped moving. Yeah, right. And Sari, to make matters worse for them, is not well at all. But when Grandpa gets down from the truck, he's not doing well. Sari offers him to lie down in her tent, and Grandpa begins to cry, something the others have never seen, which worries them quite a lot. Grandpa goes into the tent, where his wife realises he's dying. So she asks Casey, the ex-preacher, to say a prayer. Sadly, Grandpa dies quickly of a suspected stroke. Oh, dear. Yeah, that's real bad. Yeah. Yeah, he goes super quick. But They did drug him. They did recently (laughs) drug him. Honestly, that is probably about 12 hours after the drugging. Yeah. Oh, well. No relation. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, that's... uh... It's definitely sad. I'm going to say, look, I don't know if you need any of these things labeled, but um, sad. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I was not aware until that moment. Yeah. Now, you, now you say that it is pretty tragic. Now, the two families hold a funeral and bury the man on the side of the road. This is illegal, but they can't afford to get a coroner out for a death certificate. Mm-hmm. So they bury him with a note explaining what happened and that Grandpa's death was not suspicious. Murderers, take note of this sweet loophole. <laughs> <laughs> Just put a note on the body. Hey, this guy died of natural causes. Don't look into it. <laughs> Also that it's like it's just written on paper and you're putting him in, in the dirt. Mm. The first thing that's going to go is the paper. Yeah, that's right. You know? um, uh, I'll just tell you that uh, they're leaving their old place and the oldest person has just died. Whoa. And Rose, she's got a baby in her going to be born in the new place. Just saying. Mm. Stuff, stuff layers. So many layers here. Yeah. Mm. Well, I reckon I we're did, up to like 17. I did. <laughs> Suck it, Steinbeck. I, did, I mean, come on, he's so basic. This could be stu- still in my um, 
in my uh, botanical layer because she's going to bloom. And uh, That's true. Yeah. So it's yeah. part of the blooming thing that I mentioned earlier. It's the blooming layer, if you're <laughs> <Okay>. wondering. <laughs> That's the blooming layer. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so the Joads propose a plan to the Wilsons, the people they're camping with, that the two families team up. Elle and Tom could fix their car, and then they could spread out everyone over two cars instead of one. The Wilsons are worried about becoming a burden, but the Jodes explain that they've already been so kind that they even let Grandpa pass away in their tent. And for that, they'll be eternally grateful. <laughs> it does seem like a strange thing. You even let our Grandpa die in your tent. Yeah, That's so nice. We didn't have to die in our tent. <laughs> Thank God. It would have really tarnished once a, that tent. Once a man dies in your tent, you don't want to go back in there. No. Well, friends that die together... Fly together. That's right. <laughs> in a helicopter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the helicopter that... Or over the waves on a jet ski. <laughs> yeah. So they agreed to this. So the two families hit the road and uh, they continue on to California after Al and Tom fix the car. Pregnant Rosa Sean speaks of her dream of living in a nice house in a nice town. She doesn't live on a farm anymore. With her husband, Connie, where he'll study at night. Hmm. A, a dream she continues to speak about. Who's, who's bringing in money? Yeah, <laughs> well, he's gonna he's gonna study at night to get a better job than having to work yeah, on a he's farm. He's still working in the day. He's working in the day, oh, studying right. in the night. Studying at night, I and see, eventually he'll be able to work in a shop. Yeah, that's right. her dream. I mean, just the fact that these guys, these people, have the option of becoming homeowners, and they're they've they've got nothing, <laughs> and they've got the option of becoming homeowners, whereas that now is not an option for us. You <laughs> work and, full time, and, we, and you're yeah. like, well. Maybe I'll maybe I'll be allowed to keep renting this house. <laughs> yeah, I think we might be encountering a layer, yeah, well. which is the layer of our current financial situation right. going. The current situation is worse than it was. Yeah, look, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I get lots of side meat almost every oh day. So side meat. Yeah, I don't want to. I've had so much side meat. I'm saying, please put away the side meat. Give yeah. me some of that front meat. Yeah, I'm ready for some front or <laughs> yeah. even back meat. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to think about what front meat is. Uh, the Wilson's car breaks down again, and Tom proposes that he stays behind and repairs it while the others continue on, and in the lighter car, he'll be able to catch up to the truck. Everyone seems to agree to the plan except Ma, who doesn't want to split up the family. She grabs a metal pole and says they'll have to literally fight her over the decision. Ah, oh, strength. Yeah, yeah. Badass. Wait, she doesn't want to go where? Well, she gra- doesn't want to leave. Grandpa had a badass. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> he never sat down again no. after that gunshot. So they've proposed. Tom's like, I'll fix the the broken down car. You guys go along in the truck. I'll catch up to you once I fix it. And everyone's like, sweet. Ma's like, we're not breaking up the family. We'll wait for you. Yeah. And they were like, well, we can't all wait here. She says, fine, we'll go to the next sort of like town on the side of the road. Like what, a camp, we'll stay there and then you'll meet us. And if you don't agree to my plan, you'll have to fight me. And she pulls out a pole. Yeah, mm. This is her prison logic. Yeah. This is her. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right, you got to. There's some new people in the group. I got to assert my dominance again. Uh, the, and this is when the real power dynamic starts to shift, and Ma emerges as the real leader of the group. Because they all agree to wait for Tom to fix the car, which he does surprisingly quickly. He thought it would take him a few days, but he does it that night. Yeah, cool. He does cut himself whilst fixing it, though. Bleeding like a son of a bitch, he said. Well, I can stop that. He urinated on the ground, picked up a handful of the resulting mud and plastered it over the wound. Only for a moment did the blood ooze out, and then it stopped. Best damn thing in the world to stop bleeding, he said. Piss mud. (laughs) Piss mud. (laughs) Yes. 
I love that. I love a bit of bush wow. medicine. The, the more you know, I didn't know right. that. Did he actually say the words piss mud? <laughs> no. Okay. Sorry. Uh, oh. <laughs> Best damn thing in the world to stop bleeding. Piss mud. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Piss. Is there anything it can't do? Well, you know, why stop at piss when you could add dirty dirt to it? Yeah. <laughs> I've never heard that before, but there you go. Yeah. Maybe yeah. this will save someone's life out there one day. Well, yeah. we'll go on to see whether or not this becomes penicillin. <laughs> yeah, but I think there's a chance that we'll come up later that we'll find out Grandpa actually died of piss mud. <laughs> <laughs> that shrug that they gave him, it was piss. Yes, they they all pissed piss. in his mouth until yeah. he went to sleep. Yeah. The ultimate sleeping pill. <laughs> sleeping piss. Turns out if you drink 10 gallons of piss, you pass out automatically. <laughs> Piss out. <laughs> Piss him out. All right, they continue on in camp with the other, uh, with some others in a little camp next to a stream. Uh, not, a, not a piss. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> but they have to pay to stay there. So I think it's a dollar a day to stay there. Remember, they sold all their possessions for $18. Now it's a dollar a day to camp here. Pa Jode is laughed at when, one, when he tells one of the others that they're traveling west to pick fruit in California. Pa asks the man why he's laughing, and he says it's because there isn't any work. When Pa explains he's seen a printed handbill advertising work, and that they cost good money to print, and why would someone advertise work that doesn't exist, the man explains. The handbill says 800 workers wanted. They print 5,000 bills that are seen by 20,000 people who all turn up looking for work, and then there's so many people desperate to work, they can offer the job at a tiny rate. If one of the workers refused to work for such a miserly sum, someone else will step up and take their place. Some people are starving and so desperate they'll work for food rather than money. The man explains his wife and two children have actually died in California and he's on the way back now because it was so awful over there. Fuck. So that's the system. Good he can laugh, though. Good that he can laugh. (laughs) (laughs) Such an evil laugh. Uh, This thought worries Pa, Tom and the preacher, who've just heard this story. And when Pa goes to tell Ma what he heard, Tom grabs his arm and stops him revealing the truth of where they're going. Either way, they've got nowhere else to go, so he's like, best she doesn't know. Yeah, right. The Jodes and Wilsons continue on, and they make it through the Arizona desert to the border of California. They camp at a river and Noah, the older son, who was always a bit strange, decides to leave the family and just follow the river. Yeah, right. He says, he's like, the others have never really, he says this to Tom. Tom's like, you can't go now. What about the family? He says, they've never really cared for me. It's nothing personal, but I'm better off following this river. So he just goes off and Tom sort of just watches him walk off into the distance. And that's the last we hear of him. Until. What I love about it is we never hear from him again. So there is poss- possibility that he... Sequel potential yes, is for absolutely sure. off yeah. the chart. The fan fiction based around him inventing the helicopter is yeah. huge. <laughs> huge. And he's called Noah. Noah. Yeah, it's a bit biblical, isn't Went it? Went off into the water. Yeah, a little bit of biblical stuff going on in this. Yeah. The water. Water. Build something to get above. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Things. I mean, if, you, if you're going to be flooded out, would you want a boat or would you want a helicopter? Yeah. No water's coming up that high. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Got to rewrite the Bible <laughs> where Noah builds a helicopter. <laughs> he gets in, Fills it with animals. That's right. He gets in two cows and goes... Well, that's full. Yeah. Or he dangles them underneath <laughs> yeah. in a big They're net. All, oh, a big net. 
every two of two by two they climbed into the net. Mm. Love that. Well, Grandma also gets ill at this point and takes a turn, as does Sari Wilson, who the family are travelling with. And to make matters worse, a policeman drops by and tells the family they can't camp here next to the river and they'll have to move on by nightfall or he'll arrest them. Oh. You might have to marry one of your daughters to the thing. That's that's a scam they could get going, right? If you're oh. caught, you go, all right, you take, all right, you can take our daughter and mm. we can camp here. You ain't seen nothing. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't seen nothing. <laughs> Tough time. Daughter for some water. Daughter for water. How much for this daughter? Two liters. Yeah. Oh man, that's such a bad rate. That's <laughs> such a bad rate. Well, Mr. Wilson tells the family this is Sari's husband to go on without him and Sari because she's too ill to continue on. The others don't want to leave leave him, but he's insistent. Like he demands that they leave, and they begrudgingly leave them behind. Tough. That night, whilst driving, they are stopped by the police for an agri- agricultural inspection. Mm. Okay. Potato check. Carrying any fruit in here? Oh, is that the kind of stuff? Like, as in, you don't, don't they don't want you bringing in any like yeah, I think like that, a yeah, quarant- quarantine. Yes, yeah, right near the border, and they don't. Yeah, so wow. they sort of look over the truck with torches. Ma begs the officers to let them go because Grandma is so sick that she needs to get to a hospital. The officer shines the torch on Grandma lying in the back of the truck. She did. Well, he's shocked to see how bad she looks, and he goes, "All right, let him go. All right, you can go." And then the other cop says to him, "Reckon they were making it up." Just get through the border and he goes, I saw that lady. They weren't making it up. Yeah, right. That's why it's always handy to have a sick grand. That's right. (laughs) Well, they make it to the valleys of California. And Ma tells the family that Grandma has died. Oh, my God. Grandma. No more borders to get (laughs) across. Well, she says, she tells the family that Grandma actually died before the police inspection. (gasps) And that Ma had to lie next to her all night. But told the officers she was sick because she was worried that if they knew Grandma was dead, they would have stopped them in the desert, and then other people could have got sick. We've got a pregnant woman here. We've got the two young kids. We can't afford to stop in a desert. Man, Ma is a is a powerhouse, isn't she? Yes, yeah. she's the genius. She'd be at Silicon Valley now, and this is where she's headed. <laughs> yeah, she's headed to Silicon Valley. That's <laughs> yeah, she's, right. She's one of those brains. She's got some she's ideas a... about some computer chips. Mm. <laughs> Am I saying that right? I'm here talking about them computer chips. <laughs> Heard that on the pop test. Yeah. Great new podcast. <gasps> that that mum's name? Steve Jobs. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So we never say her name. It, honestly, it could be. You we know, never learn her name. Ma Steve Jobs. I know I've already brought up layers a bunch of times. I love it. But you know what, what I think one of the layers might be? You know that sort of old Western time when people, they would do that big trail? Across the country. Mm, the caravans. Yeah, the big caravans to get out to the yeah. west, I think. Yeah. Um, I reckon that's a layer. Because that's the Pioneering whole thing. spirit. Pioneering spirit. They're going across looking for, you know, better, greener pastures. Mm-hmm. You know, trying to find that thing. So it's, it's a big American history thing. You can't ignore that parallel. I can't ignore you know, it. You know, they're, you know, they're joining up with other people. Your people are dying along the way. Yeah, very difficult to ignore. <laughs> it is this time they're going places is a lot like other times people have also gone places. <laughs> yeah, like and that's what writing is. is. That's that's how you make a oh, layer. I know, I know. It's all just initials and people going places, just like they've done before. Well, when you look at it, really, he didn't create any layers. Oh, you know, if you unless that's unless if you ignore if you <laughs> if you ignore initials and uh, other things that are similar to this thing, then there's. <laughs> There's nothing There's there. There's nothing there. So if you look past the layers, there are no layers. Yeah. Wow. 
Because if you look at it, it's really just letters on a page. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. This is the first time Bookchin has really got anywhere, any close to a fundamental <laughs> yeah. truth. What is, it, what is it, if not just letters on a page, assembled in some order? Yeah. Then it's, uh, then if it's yeah, it's that, and then if it's that, then you have to accept that it's also later. This is either the yeah. best episode of this podcast ever, or everybody who's listening has killed themselves already. <laughs> and it's not even the content of the that's book right. that's making them yeah, do it. I'm more sad about Alistair's contribution. <laughs> well, they decide that despite the cost and their lack of funds, they're going to take Grandma to the coroner this time. Wow. Treat yourself. I think it's like something like $40. This Remember, is... they sold all the possessions for eighteen dollars. That when they left, they had something like a hundred dollars between them. Forty percent is going. So you got to pay to get your body <clears throat> poked or whatever. Yeah. So they take them, they get the death certificate, but then they still don't have enough money to bury her. They get a certificate though. That's always yeah, nice. exactly. Yeah, that's nice. Participation award. Frame it. You participated in her death. It's a great time to be a coroner. Mm. Tell you what, oh. eh? Why don't they all just get jobs as coroners? <laughs> You know, why are you going out to California? Stay out where you were, become the, a coroner, yes. start up your own, you know, uh, coroner store. Your own pre- coroner store. <laughs> and, I mean, uh, your own practice. It's the one business that's never going to go out. That's right. that's right. People are always dying. Except for when everybody dies. Right. Yeah. Maybe you're the last person standing. Last person stands always the coroner. Always the coroner by default. Yeah. You really like, painted yourself into yeah. a coroner. You look. I'm going to keep this going. Oh, <laughs> Is that the point you realise? You realise you're the last person on earth. You're like, well, someone's got to report these deaths. Yeah. Mm. That's, that, that'll be my mission. Spend your dying days printing certificates <laughs> for every other human. I mean, that's what God did when he flooded the world with Noah. Um, oh. Is that he always left a couple of people just to tell the story. Mm. You know, that's a real, that's a real bad guy move. Oh, is that kind of what he was doing with Noah? Yeah, you got to leave some yeah, witnesses. Right. You got a couple oh, of witnesses brutal. to tell the story. He's like, yeah, you're a good guy. Yeah, you you know, I know you. I've, I've heard you tell a couple of stories over drinks. Mm. You know, all right. He thought you're just a good storyteller. I don't know. I don't know. Look, I mean, I think he thought he was a good guy. Right. But also had a great memory. You, you need to. If you're 500 and you're... Yeah, write this down. You're, Noah, you're, write this down. You need somebody who's 500 who can, who can live really long time, who can build boats and can tell a story. This is what I picture was happening in heaven, right? Angel comes up to God and says, uh, "So you, the angel says to God, so you're going to flood the earth and kill everybody? And God's like, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. And then uh, God's a little bit distracted and the, uh, the angel says, uh, are you, you going to warn anyone? And God says, no, uh, right, not like that. And he's going to go and talk about something else. The angel's like, yeah, all right, I'll go tell him. Off he trots. Before you know it, the human race is still around. Oh, thank goodness oh, for wow. that. I cracked it. Yeah. I cracked the Bible code. Oh, wow. <laughs> this is Da Vinci code, too. And the human race turned a coroner. Mm. <laughs> at that moment. Am yeah, I, am good I again. Right? Those right? people want to live. The listeners want to live again. <laughs> well, so the family has finally made it to the edge of California, but they're falling apart. They've lost the dog. Grandpa and grandma have died, and Noah has gone walkabout. But that is where we'll leave it today. <gasps> For this, that's right, is a two-part episode. What a cliffhanger. Yeah, those reading along at home, that is the end of chapter 18. I genuinely want to, I'm desperate to know what happens. Yeah. This well, is so good and you, cruel. And you know who's been a bit quiet for a while? Is that Tom Joad. 
Yeah. It's not been, you know, fix that car, sure. Yeah, he pissed on the mud, sure. Pissed on, yeah, he put, put some <laughs> piss mud on his, on his wound. Yeah, okay. We'll see if there are any, any side effects of that. Probably. <laughs> Probably. You know, you can't just cover yourself in piss mud. Didn't try any piss mud on grandma, did they? No, <laughs> fix grandma with piss mud. <laughs> grandpa, just put him in a tent. It's essentially a big body bag. They, they doomed him. That's true. It's just a loose fitting top body bag. But what, what, uh, do we have thoughts, predictions before we wrap it up? Well, it's been enough predictions, I think, for yeah. today. Um, I mean, I'm really interested. I thought the whole story was going to be just the journey to California. And then when they get there, sort of, we, we're not going to find out what happens. But that's only half the story. Yeah, there's a whole second part in yeah, California. in California. So, I mean, I guess they're going to go around trying to get jobs. Things are going to get worse and worse. And I reckon probably Tom Jones going to kill somebody again, go back to prison. That's my mm. guess. Dave's looking at me. No, that, that, I like that prediction. And Alistair? Probably a bit more outside the box, yeah. but still, there's a chance it could come um, true. Let's see. I reckon uh, that lady's going to have that baby. It's going to be a dog. Um, they get the dog back. They get another, another dog that'll be Seeing new beginnings. That dog died. Yeah. Seeing that dog turn died, turn the baby into, into a, a dog. dog. It's the one in, one out dog policy. <laughs> Family, the Joe dog policy. Um, let's see. Yeah, I think it's gonna get it's gonna get real bad there because I think they're gonna get exploited. They're probably gonna work for less than they they're gonna do the work on one of the mm. farms, and they're gonna get less than they need to survive. I oh no, because they're getting paid in food. Probably it's gonna be less than they because they need to feed the whole family, but it's just gonna be enough food to feed the person. Also, I'm gonna say Ma is going to die close to the end, and it's gonna be, and then the family is gonna be forced to break up for various reasons. Because I think, you know, if if I were to, if I were aiming to win a Nobel Prize, which is I think is what he was trying to do with this book, I would make sure that as many bad things as possible happened, and everybody's dreams were mm. crushed in various different ways. And she specifically has that dream of uh, wanting to. Get that, get that a, thing. You happen. think she might live in a house that's not white picketed, but like red picketed. That's right. Yeah. It's going to be an off-white picket. <laughs> yeah, tragic. And it's going to eat away at her. And then <laughs> she's going to go wow. out one morning and dive onto the pickets and just oh, impale man. herself. Oh, right. Yeah. Poetic. Yeah. I thought it was very poetic. <laughs> yeah. And so is she, is she Mary? And if it's a Jesusy thing as well, mum, the mum yeah. is ma, the, Mari. Uh, <gasps> that's a layer. That's, that's a layer. That's a, full, first two that's a full layer. No, I reckon, I reckon, I reckon it's still part of the same layer. <laughs> the first two, first two letters of Mary are ma. Yeah, <laughs> that's a <enough>. wow. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for alerting me to these layers. I'm sure we'll find more in uh, mm, yeah. part Can't two, wait. which will be out in uh, two weeks' time. But between now and then, we'll be able to pass the time by listening to episodes of The Pop Test. That's yes, right. you will. Oh over and over and over again. That's right. At least one is out right now, but they're going to be coming out for the next nine weeks. Yeah, for Correct. the next nine more weeks. And so there'll be nine. You know, By the time you listen to this this episode, there'll be at least one there to listen to, plus episode zero, which is us doing a little intro. Yeah, so that's that. two episodes for <laughs> yeah, count. For sure. Yeah. Two for the price of one. And then, but if you're listening to this a week late, there'll be a second episode out. Atoms, about atoms. Oh, cool. Hey, well, how, did, how did the world find out about uh, atoms and what, what they're made of? Don't you want to know? I did, and now I do. Thanks for I the I would podcast. like to know that. They're yeah. so small. How do we know? 
Mm. Well, all that and more on the pop test. And also, we should say, you're doing some shows at the Comedy Festival in Melbourne? Oh, absolutely we are, and tickets are on sale. Yeah, we're doing Teleport, which is me and Andy pretending to be engineers. This is the thing. I discovered, I thought of this while I was driving here today. I was like, I'm me and Andy are two of the only people in the world, maybe, who are both engineers, but also fake engineers. <laughs> You know, and so we play fake engineers, and we're and we've come up with a teleportation device, and we're uh, selling it to investors. And, and that's that's indicative of how good our acting must be, mm-hmm. right? Because we actually are engineers, and yet we're playing fake engineers. That's right. Yeah, and that's um, that's much harder than just not being an engineer and having to play an engineer. Mm-hmm. We've gone we've gone further. Yeah, <laughs> somehow deep. it's gone deep, and uh, and that's the Melbourne International Comedy Festival or comedyfestival.com.au. And then in the little search bar, type in teleport. Oh, very cool. And what venue are you at this year? Trades Hall. Mm. In that main room there. That where, cool. Where there's that bar there. And it's because it's kind of, they may say it up, COVID safe. You know how it's really COVID safe to have a lot of people in one room. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, that's what we're doing. I'm yeah. so looking forward to seeing it because two years ago, your show, which this is basically a sequel to in, in many ways, mm-hmm. uh, one of the funniest things I've Ever seen. That's very well, nice. Thank you. And then last year when the whole festival was cancelled, very disappointed. So I'm very happy to see this show. And I guess if people around the world, obviously not everyone is in Melbourne, they no. can actually watch that show, Magma, on uh, sospresents.com right now. You filmed a version. Yeah, you can get Magma off of sospresents.com. <laughs> this is the best plugging I've ever <laughs> seen. You are so, so good at to, And you can come onto our podcast every week. <laughs> oh, I just love your stuff. <laughs> and your other podcast is Two in the Think Tank. That's right. Because uh, you are com- sketch comedy writers and you come up with five ideas every single week. Yeah. For sketches. Yes, yeah, for thank sketches. you. Then we yeah. do. We do. Yeah, you know, and often... We go so deep. I got to say that Two in the Think Tank has got a lot of layers. And so many, some, so many. Sometimes you think that doesn't sound like a sketch idea, but you know, you go, that sounds like a concept for a thing that you, <laughs> a way of burying your mother or something like that. And you go, yeah, but imagine that in yeah, sketch exactly. form. You're also inventors. Yeah. Mm. Really, in a way. And Very fake much. inventors. Yeah. Yeah. I hope uh, you'll be able to come back in two weeks to finish off this book. I'm very excited. Yeah. And uh, we'll be back, yeah, with the conclusion of The Grapes of Wrath and until next week I'll say thank you for listening and as I always say I started with books let's do this and I wrap up with books forever books forever (laughs) thank you this podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates I mean if you want it's up to you 